You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since Welcome back to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I am Large William, and I am joined this week by a very special guest, a very dear friend of the show, and someone I consider, frankly, to be a a good personal friend at this point, uh, despite being in different time zones uh, and in different countries. Uh, We have the distinct pleasure and honor of being joined by a good friend, Jimmy Gonzalez. Uh, Jimmy, of course, is a director. Uh, his film has been featured on our show before, which there was also an interview. Uh, he directed 2016's horror film, The Red Man, um, which you can go back and listen to on our episode uh, that we did on that. So we had the, the pleasure of being uh, involved with that uh, film. Uh, and Jimmy, of course, has more pokers in the fire. So this show is going to feature uh, a project that he's working on that focuses on the video nasties, uh, the notorious films that were banned uh, in Britain, I believe, in the 80s because of their content. So Jimmy has a new project coming out that is appropriately titled Video Nasties, and we figured it would be suitably nasty uh, to cover one of the Video Nasties, and he's chosen one uh, that stars a man that's near and dear to our hearts, George Eastman, and that is, of course, absurd. Jimmy, welcome back to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Hey, Will, what's up, man? Great to be back. Thank you so much. Oh, it's Thank truly... I welcome to an uh, intro. What's that? I said thanks for the nice intro there. Oh, listen, I, I speak the truth. You know, we try not to sound like shills um, with what we do because uh, not that our, our voices carry a lot of weight, but uh, there are people that, you know, they trust what we say. We've, we've been doing this for about 10 years and um, we don't like to blow smoke. But um, as we had said with The Red Man, the film you, you directed came out 2016. Uh, it was an assured... Uh, debut film and it was one that I think frankly uh, as one of us a guy who's out fighting the good fight and chasing his dreams and stuck the landing um, as well as one can be expected for a first film it's important to to talk about that um, thank you no no thank you uh, it takes a lot of courage to do what you've done right and a lot of time so um, it's important we celebrate that now <clears throat> 
we will talk about where you can find the Red Man as well as Jimmy's other uh, new project video nasties uh, towards the back end of our show. But uh, Jimmy, just to touch on briefly, brief, briefly, how we got to this point and how you came to do this latest project of yours, Video Nasties. Why don't you um, give everyone just a brief uh, understanding of what it is, uh, so they understand what we're going to get into at the back end of the show here. Yeah, well, uh, Video Nasties is my latest uh, video DJ mix in a series that I call Cinema Therapy, uh, which is also my alias as a DJ, a video DJ. Um, a little bit of my background uh, is in the early 90s, I was a, and continue to be a DJ in the house music, techno music scene. Uh, I came up through like the rave generation, um, played was fortunate to play all over the United States, a lot of Canada, uh, which are where I met you. Yeah. And also uh, Europe and some places. But I was, um, you know, just coming from Chicago, I started playing house music and and uh, really caught what caught my ear at that time when everyone was playing a lot of soulful disco stuff, which is I also, I love that stuff as well, is the more dirty electronic sound that was coming out in a style called Acid House. and. Um, so I was very familiar with a lot of these sounds, these, a lot of these spacey, trippy sounds. And then at the same time, you know, I, in the 90s, um, I was or actually I was catching, you know, I was DJing in 85, 86. That's when I was starting to play. But I was liking all these um, synthetic sounds and, you know, all the, the, the stuff in like acid house music, acid techno music. And I noticed that, you know, and, and besides from playing records and DJing, I would watch a lot of horror movies, which I always have been since, you know the 80s 70s even as a kid but um i was finding a lot of this music in these scores john carpenter's films um and of course all their gentle stuff and goblin uh all the all the 80s synthy dirty grindhouse kind of movies and i was like that sounds a lot like that 303 box or a lot like that song that has that techno sample or i was starting to put together all these little pieces of like i love both these worlds but nobody was really doing it and I've always had this vision in my mind of mixing the two because I always felt that the dance music, techno music and all that was really darker. I liked a lot of the darker side of that music, um, which is a lot of the acid stuff. And there would be some like, you know, demonic, ghostly sounds, but it'd be house music, you know. Anyway, so I, I really liked the two mixture, mixing the two. So I, um, I did a series. Now, now we're jumping ahead in 2000. 2000, 2000, 2003, I started to finally have the pause and courage to try this concept, which was take a DJ mix I did as the way we promote ourselves as DJs and put visuals over it that I felt matched. And it was basically a lot of the movies I was watching at this time when all the DVD releases were coming out, uh, Anchor Bay and stuff. Yeah. And so I, I started, so I thought, I'm going to slice this, these visuals in over this music because I felt it fit. And I did two of them called, the first one was The Colors of Darkness, and that was 2004, and then soon the following the same year was the Electro Euro Trash, which, which, which was basically a lot of the Jalo films. And so I put those out there, and I got some recognition from people who really dug it in the, in the dance music scene, but they were like, what are these crazy movies? What are you into? You're strange. I don't know. You like this stuff. And, you know, it's all about love, peace, love, and happiness, and flowers. Plur, plur. <laughs> Why are you doing this stuff? And it's like I said, I... I felt this was someone, something no one was really doing. Um, so then I followed up with that with the Jawa stuff, and I went even deeper by getting some really strange films, according to the the people who are not aware of this this whole movement. And they thought it was really 
creepy or not creepy, weird and just, you know, fetishy and, but beautiful stylistically. And, and so I was like, I'm just going to go all in for the next time I do this. And I did a couple other ones to follow and they did okay. The Halloween for the head was another one where I mixed a lot more mainstream stuff. I did like the exorcist and I did like Donnie Darko and stuff like that. That was 2009, I believe, right? Yes. And that one is actually available too. I mean, all these, I can, I still have the masters to make copies and people still ask for them and I'll, I can, you can order them and I'll send them to you, but you can catch them on YouTube. I'm not here to make money on them. It's just really to show what I did. So you can catch them on YouTube and also on my Vimeo page, which I can give that out later. I would love if you gave that out later on the show. It'd be important. I want guys to guys and girls. Yeah, well, I guess it's easy. It's Vimeo, but it's space tunes. I think that's something I have to confirm. Um, cause usually I just link that stuff. I'll just link, you know, I don't really promote the Vimeo page, which I really should. But anyway, so then I was like, I'm going to go all in. Um, and this was after the movie, you know, after I made the red man, um, I went through a big, big phase of, you know, like I want to make my movie now and, you know, to jump into a little bit of red man. It's like, that's how it all came about is I really wanted to do it. I mean, I've always had this dream of making a movie and writing my movie and, I wanted to bring the world together of the DJ scene and, you know, th- this whole movement and visual style of, of European horror and stuff. And so that's what I did when I did the Red Man. Not to say that's what I was going for. I, I feel I modernize it into more psych- um, psychological horror than it is slasher, you know, but it's got those elements too. And so I kind of like put my whole world in that movie. And after the movie came out, um, I mean, I was very, very honored and fortunate and surprised that it did so well as far as getting into some cool festivals and winning some awards. And, um, you know, I had I was lucky to get the means to do a really good uh, uh, budgeted feature film for my first project, my first film. And um, after it didn't really go, it didn't like open the doors to like do others. And it's like I still was itching to DJ because I still was itching to make to do my visual style because I really wanted to do something more on this European tip, you know? So at this time I caught the bug. We were talking earlier about, you know, getting into soundtrack and stuff. It's like, I remember actually, if I can tell the stories, we were talking the last interview we did, the last time I was on the show, you were like, so are you buying anything right now? And I said, I, I, yeah, I just dropped $50 for Friday the 13th 3d three, right? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm getting into, but that was literally, the time when I just said, I'm going to buy records. I, I'm, I'm tired of seeing everyone post up their awesome records that they bought and these reissues. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to go down this path now because I know I'm just going to play these records for fun. You know, I'm not going to DJ these records out. Yeah. But I was like, you know, I, I saw I start to get a collection. But typical fashion of, of the kind of collector of physical media I am, it's like, I, when I have a Blu-ray in my hand and I have a new release of the, of the quality digital version of these uh, albums now that are soundtrack for the first time that are put out I had to do something with these than just play them and that's just my nature is like I was like I gotta do another mix so I basically got into Video Nasties which was doing uh, all in not techno not house music it was all in the soundtracks the music which is another thing I've always listened to but kind of felt like I'm not telling my friends about this because they're going to laugh when they hear this kind of shit I'm into because <laughs> it's a lot of, you know, and it's like, I mean, even though I can, I would say, hey, listen, to this one's really synthy. And it's like, wow, my uh, techno friends would be like, yeah, that's cool. I like how they use that. Huh? But if they start hearing like a B-side bossa nova track or a prog rock, they're like, what the hell? 
techno guys, what's this? And, you know, I would get that kind of stuff from friends. And even though a lot of guys had eclectic taste, it was just kind of the thing we messed around with each other as being, we're purists for dance music. Sure. So then I was like, I'm going to do this project, which is going to be to do another video mix, but I'm going to do the soundtracks and the visuals because the timing was so right. I just felt, you know, the, the, um, the collectible right now uh, for, for soundtracks and films is just, um, it's peaked and, and uh, it's, it's a great, amazing, fun time right now. And so I'm like, I'm going to do this. And uh, that's how Video Nasty started. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, um, it's always a great thing when you can combine two loves, right? Like you talked about combining music and film together the way you do. Um, and being able to have a hand in each, you know, John Carpenter, of course, grew up in a house where music was was very prevalent. So it's nice to see that you can do that. And I'm like you, man, like a lot of horror stuff tends to be appreciated more about like, like a rock crowd and a metal crowd. And that stuff's great. But I'm more from like the, the soul and the house and all that stuff. So it's cool to see a guy smashing those two things together because that mm. is certainly in line with my sensibilities. And it's one of those things too in the spirit of the age we're in which is all about mashups it, right. it's really kind of got its finger on the pulse right so um and that's what the culture is it always been that it's about you know, mixing so mm-hmm. i mean to me movies and music you know is the perfect mix peanut butter and chocolate man peanut butter and chocolate now video nasties um you know we'll get into that, that actually in a, in a bit why don't we, we expand on the video nasties and how your project or what the project is and kind of touch on that a little bit in a bit. Yeah. But I think what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about um, Absurd, which is one of the video nasties uh, in question. Um, mm-hmm. I said to you, hey, let's do a film. Let's talk about your project, kind of make it a full episode thing. And you were pretty quick to talk about Absurd. So why don't we take a short break and we're going to come right back and we're going to talk about Absurd and the return of one of our patron saints. So we will be right back.
back, and it is the glorious year of 1981. Um, great year for film, certainly, and um, a great year if you're George Eastman, because you get to hulk around and, and do what, uh, what you do best. So, this is a video nasty, and you were very quick to pick this one, and I'm glad you did, because it's totally in line with the kind of thing we would cover, and we yeah. haven't had Eastman on in some time. But uh, why did you pick this one? I mean, what was there, 72 video nasties to choose from? You know, um, this was one of the soundtracks I picked up, and it's funny. It's literally about a year to date when when this whole thing uh, came about, and now here I'm talking about it. But uh, it it was one of the records that I picked up, uh, the the um, Death Waltz double vinyl release of uh, Absurd by uh, uh, composer Carlo Maria Cordillo. Um, he when this record came out, I I, I was like. I never heard of this movie before. Why haven't I not heard of this movie before? But I love this score. This, mm-hmm. and it's like, and now I and I was piecing it together. Ironically, it's a lot of the music is from the movie Pieces as well. Oh yeah. Um, which is, um, you know, this it's, it was a li- It came from a library title that uh, a release that had a lot of this music, and I, I guess um, Absurd was one of the first to use it, and then Pieces, and it's also on the Ring of Darkness. Uh, there's some cues in there as well. But anyway, the music right away stood out to me. It's very synthy, very dirty. And I was like, this is perfect, you know, like the kind of music that I'm looking for that I like uh, to, uh, to play. If I were to start spinning soundtracks, you know, live, this is what I would, this is the kind of stuff I would do. So I was looking for a lot more. But the cool thing is that I would want to find that movie now. That was like, I never heard of this movie and then when i saw the cover i'm like okay i think and then this is all the flashbacks came back right yep. where it's like i think i've seen this in video store as a kid and it was a different different cover and never got it and and then i just went and watched the film and i was like it blew me away and i'm not saying it's a great film <laughs> we can get into that no it's fun certainly though it's 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 a good movie I yes realize how good it is it's told in in, in um uh, you know, of course, there was some homages to some films that we'll, that we'll talk about. But I mean, it was like it was a movie that really made me think like this is the kind of project that this kind of music and this visual is what I would like to do for my next thing. And then I was like, I didn't realize that all these other movies, uh, this video nasties list were all together. I never realized they were all um, considered video nasties. I didn't right. really know about it. So I basically got inspired by the whole uh, movement of, of the history of the video nasties uh, um, uh, scare back in the 80s. And it, it just, you know, that was the perfect uh, project for me to start to do the, the mix. But Absurd was the one that started me on that quest to look for more and to learn more. Nice. Well, yeah, it's it's suitable and it's very fitting then that you chose this one. And I think it's very much in line with our show, frankly, too, right? Like, you know, some of the video nasties are more well-known. Some of them have been talked about. But I don't – not too many people talk about Absurd. And it, admittedly, even by video nasty standards, um, it's uh, it's a little more hard. It's, it's harder to get now. It got a Blu-ray. Who put the Blu-ray out? It's uh, 88 Films UK. Oh, yes, yes, which is a region-locked disc, I believe, correct? Right, right, and right. That's what I have to go and grab. I mean, it, there's some other American versions, but this was the uncut, first time ever uncut, uh, quality Blu-ray release. So I had to go and grab that. Oh, for sure. And um, we'll get into this, but again, we live in a glorious time, and this will be more focused on with your video nasties project. But we live in a glorious time when films like this are on blue. And you know what? Sometimes the master they have to work with isn't great, but to see some of this stuff 
in relatively you know high def or, or some approximation of that is really fun to see and it's fun to see yep. um you know effects and, and and i think you know not to get ahead of ourselves but this film this film holds up i mean i think it holds up like you said it's not a great film but uh, it is a good one um do you want to lead on the review jimmy do you want me to how do you want to do that you mean the synopsis? You can do that. Well, I guess I'll do the synopsis. I'll act like I've been here before, and I'll synopsize <laughs> this one. Uh, so, like we said, 1989, 81, not 89. Think of a public enemy, man. 1989. Um, a priest comes to a small town to help get rid of a monster whose blood coagulates very fast. That's a terrible synopsis. This creates problems as the monster is very hard to kill and then decides to go on a killing spree of its own. That's pretty clumsy. Um, I guess a priest comes to a small town to stop a man, uh, a man, a monster, uh, who, is, who has, is sort of in human form uh, before his, his killing spree uh, reaches serious. Which sounds like what, right? Well, <laughs> it's, it's totally Halloween. Right. It's totally right. Halloween. But it's, I mean, listen, here's the, the great soft sell. And I was thinking about this as, we were, as I was watching it um, yesterday. Is if I was to say to you, if, I was to say, if someone was to say to me, hey, listen, we're going to have Joe D'Amato do his riff on Halloween and there's going to be like some city of the living dead type kills and some great Italian kills. And Eastman's going to fucking stalk around in this thing and munch people and kill people. And it's going to be a priest instead of a doctor. I'm like, yeah, sign me up now. Exactly. I mean, it was genius. <clears throat> it was, it was typical example of Italian, uh, you know, horror films, how they just like, what's working in America. Let's do that. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and they, they did it so good. And the funny thing I have to say is when I first saw this, uh, maybe this shows my intelligence, but I didn't even catch that. Right, I right. Didn't, I didn't even catch it until he's, the little kid started saying Good Boogeyman. That's when I was like, ah, okay, boy, this is really like Halloween. He and does say it a few times, together. yeah. But, um, yeah, and it, but I think that's a testament to it's a good film because there was so much other entertaining, entertaining aspects of the film, the music, of course, which led me in, and – uh, the gore and everything that you don't even it has enough to hold on its own that you don't even think about the, the basic plot that is being ripped off because you're not even you're already put it in a category in mind of y'all like this movie so now you don't need to look for a fault right makes sense so that's why I was like I didn't even catch it was Halloween but and I hate when I hear people ragging on it because of that it's like all right well open your mind it's that's what it is now just watch it for what the Italians do best and this that's is right. a good example. They turn up the sleaze and the and the splatter and you know, it's like yeah. it, it's like it's it's a very Italian thing. You know, they give you a meal, but they give you more flavor than the next guy would. Yes. Right. So nothing wrong with a little more flavor. Yeah. yeah. It is that it's a great example. Um, but yeah, so this movie was um, that was the one. It made me want to. Uh, to go down his path because I felt it had all the ingredients. And of course, I've seen like seeing the Gates of Hell. I've seen, of course, all the Fulci stuff. And so I saw this as D'Amato's like, you know, I could do that too, Lucio. Check this out. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they had that little bit of a creative war, a friendly creative war at that time. If you read back a lot of history and that's what it was like, you know, they were trying to outdo each other basically, but having fun at it and making mm -hmm. some money too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, you know, you talked about the score really drawing you in. The score um, is Carlo Maria Cordio, or Cordio. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, you may know, I can't think of sort of a signature. Uh, he's done a lot of cool stuff, but he came late to the game. Like his first credits are in 81. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, so I don't, really know, I don't really know much about him, um, you know, until the soundtrack. But I wouldn't doubt it if you know you do a lot of digging and and it's there's gonna be a more of the same, you know, a lot of the library defunct stuff and psychedelic stuff and uh, you know, um, but I you know this is what I'm saying is I got so drawn into the like to go down that that path and it feels fresh and new again. I think it'd be boring to say I already know about all these guys and everything they did. It's like, Oh yeah. There's more, there's so much to explore. And, and so this was a project that was like, you know, I'm going to go into doing the, you know, this music in this era. And, and, um, yeah. So, but the, the score is, uh, it's definitely very uh, monotonous and it can be annoying at times, but that's, this is a Frankenstein uh, style score, uh, put together as far as the, the way they piece it together is they took other mo- other uh, cues from library stuff and they just placed it. It's not like it's not like uh, Carlo was composing to picture, you know, a lock screen. A lot of the stuff in his days they were just pieced together, and so that's why you have to you hear this music looping over and over again. That's because they don't have that many cues, you know. They're, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, it, a lot of people rag on it too that the, it's annoying the music. But you know, no, there's some great great work in there. They just oh, played yeah. it. It's kind of like they, they made a pop song out of it, basically, by playing it so much. There are some there are some great pieces, and he was involved with the pieces soundtrack, we should say. But if you look at his his, his body of work, right. um, he did 2020 Texas Gladys, which is a fun film. Pieces, Ator, um, he did uh, La Casa for Witchcraft, which is a pretty fun film. My seat, Zamfir agrees. Um, Shocking Dark, great Bruno Mattei film. So. Uh, he did a lot of fun films yeah. that really weren't known. Troll 2, Body Puzzle. You know, he's unfortunately come at a point in the game. Sunny Boy, which is kind of random that he's... Uh, that's a real oddity with David Carradine, Brad Dourif, um, with some, some dra- drag queen action. Um, he came but to the see, game late. But see, a lot of these... Um, that's the thing. There's library uh, soundtracks or library records where they get everything. It's like to say, oh, he was involved with pieces. Like... Well, they just used his music and threw it in pieces. Yeah. You know, that's basically, and I'm sure they did that with a lot of uh, those films he did. I, I don't know, like I said, I don't know too much about if he composed two picture as a, as a composer. But sure. A lot of his stuff was just, um, you know, part of these libraries that uh, that everyone just pieced in their films. And um, but that's exciting. That's that's the hunt to go find that stuff. You know. I will say this. You know, say what you will about some of the stuff being derivative or redundant, and sometimes it's not scored um effectively but i blame some of the, that on the director saying no no this piece needs to be more in line with this scene i think there are parts where it feels a little d'angelis brothers it feels a little goblin like there are parts where it's pretty good like it's pretty solid on its own it's amazing yeah yeah and a lot of this you know it's like halloween i mean halloween the theme of halloween is you know it's played over and over and it's monotonous and i think that's why it's so iconic and so known it yeah. just worked well as one of the first to do it so here we are talking about a movie that was ripping off something popular in America at the time, and that was Halloween. So that's another reason. They probably purposely looped that shit over and over because it just, what Halloween did, it worked. Milk that cow, man. You go, to, you go to the well, right? You gotta go to the well. It's so important, you know? But, um... It adds charm to these movies when you hear scores like that. It does, it does. I mean, if you get a real piece of shit, piece of music, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but sometimes, yeah, it's like, man, they went to that well too much. I'll and say it's not a good one, you know. It's not no, yeah, one. when it's bad, it's, it's, this is good. Like I'd like to own this on vinyl. I mean, it's it's a solid score. It's all, like I said, other than a few maybe miscues, but you know what are you gonna do, right? Um, no, no, I'm not talking <clears> about <throat> this 
is amazing. I'm talking about other records or other pieces that you said go to the well too much. Oh, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, if they're not good pieces of music, then you're going to hate it and you're going to hate the whole movie. And you're going to hate it more because it keeps going to the well. Right. But if you like this music, which I like it. Me too. To over and over, it's like, there to go again. And I still love it. <laughs> there to yep. go again, but I still love it. You know? No, it's true. It's very true. Um, D'Amato and Eastman are kind of like the, the sleazy De Niro and Scorsese in some ways. You know, they had a pretty f- fruitful relationship. Uh, they worked together a lot. Eastman wrote a lot too, right? Um, yes. He wrote this one, which is cool. Um, one thing I love, I love when the Italians work under English pseudonyms. Like Joe D'Amato's credit is Peter Newton, and it's right. written by John Cart. Which, which we're really going down the hole here because George Eastman is already his acting name when it re- in reality he's Luigi Montefiore, right? So he's he's going even right. deeper on that. And he's playing a Greek in this, of course. Right, which, right. Another, another, you're right about going down the hole. That's, that's a whole other thing, too. It's like, oh, my God, like there's so many... Uh, if you want to go, if you want to follow the career of these guys, it's 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 basically impossible. <laughs> you know? It can be yeah. when you look at these. Like, was it Larry Larry Lubston or Larry Luds? Or, I can't remember. But the, some of the names they go by, it's yeah. it's pretty funny, man. But I, you know, I, I don't. Uh, I would love to to know that. Like, I'm, I have some friends, you know, and you're one of them. But like, they just they know like all this stuff. The backgrounds, like, I guess I'm more of a geek in like. The directors and the music, um, yeah, as uh, as much as uh, actors to me, you know, it's like I'm not really that fanboy getting a lot of autographs and stuff, but I mean, I do appreciate the the actors, uh, and, and but it's just it's not my fandom of this whole thing. Sure, you know, I don't really know as much about it. You know? Larry Ludman, I should say, was Fabrizio D'Angelis. He would direct under the name Larry Ludman mm. when he did like Killer Crocodile or Karate Warrior, things like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this uh, this film, you know, one of the things I like about the opening for this is it kind of I feel like unintentionally or intentionally maybe it kind of plays with expectations a bit because when, when this film opens up, um, you almost get the sense you're like, hang on a second, this dude in this black trench coat is stalking this guy, and we know it's George Eastman, and George Eastman does the stalking; he doesn't get stalked, right. but. He's, I mean, he's injured, and this guy looks a bit evil, and it's, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Edward Edmund Purdom, right? Classic right. actor, who looks a little bit like an older version of Ivan Rasimov to me. Huh, yeah, L- yeah. little yeah. rasimov you, know, you know he was in a film, Pieces, right? Yeah, That's yeah. The, the, I guess he was the school <laughs> principal or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, and he also directed, I did a little bit of research, and he also directed... Um, uh, don't open till Christmas. For, funny enough, that he, he directed it, eh? Directed it. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. And so that's kind of crazy. Like he had, he loved this. I guess he loved this genre. I know he got he got involved in it. Uh, and uh, I didn't see that movie yet, though. But I mean, I had heard of it. So now this, of course, perks me up to want to see that. Oh, but totally, man. Something funny I noticed about him. Did you notice his uh, Dracula accent? He sounded yeah. like Dracula. He did. Yeah, I got to say this too. We're kind of all over the place, but that's okay. It's our show, and we can talk about it as we see fit. This, what was that? Go ahead. Sorry. This being eighty-one, um, even though a lot of it, like I felt like there was times where you know they were going for 
it being shot in America very obviously. There's a lot of Super Bowl talk, the big game. Well, they don't say Super Bowl. The big game, the championship, the big game. They even show some Steelers-Rams footage for good measure. And, and to their credit, they actually do mention Terry Bradshaw and Franco Harris, so they try to be legit. But um, I'll I talk get to talking about that. <laughs> I want to say so much about the Super Bowl stuff. But oh, man. Go. There's so much good stuff. But it's it's yeah, we'll definitely get to that. But I think they do a pretty good job masking because I checked. It was all shot in like in and around Rome. They do right. a pretty good job making it seem North American in that respect. But how funny is it that okay they had it they had to pull in the game I can't I have I can't avoid not talking about the game now they yeah. pull in the, the, the football game. game but then they're sitting around the, you know they want to make it look like America but then they're sitting around watching the game eating spaghetti. Dude, let me tell you about that Super Bowl party. That well, Super Bowl party is the most like it's like a coked out Italo disco party. It's not a Super Bowl party. I've been to a lot of Super Bowl parties, man, and no one is dressed as elegant as that eating spaghetti. Like, yes. I, and that's one of the the charms of European films doing America. Like, they kind of got like they got a half right. Okay, there's a Super Bowl party, but the other half is most people are wearing like wedges of cheese on their head, or they're eating like um, artichoke dip or wings. Yes. They're not right. eating spaghetti in like a three piece suit. And I was saying the same thing. I'm like, you know, how funny would it have been if, like, the costume designers at that time got that right and they had them in gear? Like, they went. Oh, man. At the, at the house and then he went to the party and he threw on like a jersey over that <laughs> dude <laughs> I mean they didn't even go that far they're just like Fuck it. this is what we do but we know they watch the game <laughs> it's so cool how they how they you're right how they get one thing right but the one other thing completely off it's so funny that yeah and it's I love seeing that is a charm you know you see enough Italian horror movies or European genre movies um, it's funny to see stuff like that and how they're trying to mask it and it's well-intentioned, but it's kind of oh. like that one, uh, that Italian film, The Last Match. Have you ever seen this? I haven't. Oh, man. Let me tell you. Speaking of Larry Ludman, and he directs this one as Larry Ludman. What year is it? 80s? Or? 1991. Okay. Okay, so th- <laughs> listen to this. Uh, a football coach, okay, the daughter of a football, like an NFL team gets imprisoned for for drug trafficking or something. So Ernest Borgnine, who's the football coach, brings the entire football team to the island to break her out. (laughs) And it stars real NFL players alongside Martin Balsam, Chuck Napier, and Henry Silva. Wow. Like, it's got Jim Kick, Jim Kelly. I mean, it's crazy. And they're like, it's like a heist film. I mean, a heist film. It's like a guys on a mission film with real yeah. football players, directed by Fabrizio <laughs> D'Angelis. Yeah, it's it's not as the, the, the last match. Oh, God, see, they botched the title. It should have been. See, match is a very European thing. Football, football, uh, European football. They say match, but yeah, yeah. we would say the last game. Right, right, right. The last match. It's it's. Oh, man, that's crazy. It, it can't live up to the exp- You know what you would think, but it's still worth a watch for sure. Yeah, I, but I was I was a huge Steeler fan um, in the 80s, exactly at this time. So it was cool to see Bradshaw, Franco Harris, and everybody like in the way I remember the most. You know, that's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, how about you know another thing that I like about Italians is they don't really give a fuck. Like if they're shooting something, they don't care if it doesn't make sense. Like a lot of times there's no squibs. Um, there's a breakfast scene where someone's pouring like cornflakes or something or raisin bran. It's clearly at night. 
Like the kid looks out the window and it's like Moonlight City. <laughs> right. I love it. It's just one of those yeah. things they don't really care about. But, but. Then, but then when it comes down to setting up the lighting or like a symmetrical shot or a roving camera up a staircase, that shit needs to be done right. And oh, yeah. And that's what matters most. And that's what I love about the Italian stuff, too, is like, you know, and going back to D'Amato, you know, he was a cinematographer as well. Not to say this is shot beautiful because it really wasn't. But like, did you know, did you know uh, D'Amato was a cinematographer? Yes. Uh, Right, he 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 was um, he shot uh, uh, what they done to Solange yep. and more others come, but he had the capabilities of doing beautiful shots. But he did. He didn't need to. It's like it didn't matter. This movie was not about that. But there were some shots that you couldn't help. You could tell he added that in. You know, he had, he used that expertise. Some of the roving, the, the dolly work and stuff, and um, there's not a lot of it. But I mean, you could just see that, and and I love how. In this film, and a lot of Italian films, they put the care into that, even though they don't really need to. And sometimes when you do both, like Argento is a great example of that, that's when it's magical. But some guys are just, you know, they're, they're, they're just concentrating on the sleeves. And this one was what, this is what it was all about, basically. Absurd was all about the sleeves. And like you said, it's funny that he decided to kind of take the money and run on each project. And, and not to disparage him at all, but no, he had enough technical skill because there, there are some really well edited scenes in this, too, which we'll talk about um, as yeah. we go along here. But, yeah, I mean, I just think he wanted to to make his money and, and capitalize. And he's made some good films. But I think ultimately <clears throat> when we think of him, you don't tend to get a lot of retrospectives on Joe D'Amato. And he had the skill to have maybe had that happen like an Argento or a Bava or right. even a Martino or someone but I think he was more interested in getting down and dirty and appealing to a certain um, audience with his work right so but he, but he loved it and you could tell that he put a lot of care into he it. Did. it like some other directors I'm not, I can't think of something top of my head now but like some some guys took you know uh, 80s Italian horror movies as a gig and didn't give a shit about it you know True. I think this I think D'Amato loved it and oh yeah so many of it but you could see the love but he definitely did it working with the producers as tell me what I need to do tell me how when I need to get done you know, I, he was like a, uh, a it seemed like he was more like a journeyman but he also put his art into it and he loved like you could tell the way you play with the gore effects and like he loved that stuff he masked in it and had fun with it like a kid you know he absolutely did. And I'm, I will go a step beyond that to, to give him credit and say as much as we think of him in one way, we could sit down. And he did a lot of volume, right? Like Mike or some of these filmmakers, they like to keep working, keep working, keep working, right? Mm-hmm. Other guys do one film every few years. But I we could sit down and I know we could put together uh, maybe 10, that might seem high, but 10 films to, to represent his work. Uh, and there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Like I, like I mentioned 2020 Texas Gladiators. Uh, and he directs that one as Kevin Mancuso. Wow. And George Eastman dire- uh, writes it as Alex Carver. But that is arguably, arguably my, f- and I might, maybe I'm speaking on a turn here, but maybe my favorite Italian post-apocalyptic film. Really? Yeah, see, I didn't go down all the, that route yet. I mean, there's so much to explore. It's so much to look forward to, you know. About, oh, yeah. Like, I basically only saw his his horror stuff, you know, the, the uh, Erotic Nights of the Living Dead, the Beyond the Darkness, and... That was actually my first Demato. Me too, and that's a good one. Yeah, and that's then, a really course, good one. The you know. I mean, yep. that's a whole other story how how absurd it came about. But I mean, Demato is uh, someone that I know did so much, but I haven't even begun. I mean, like I said, there's just so much to look forward to, and every project is going to be a different 
different uh, genre, you know, breakaway, you know. From, I love the Jalo stuff. It's still my favorite. Um, oh, yeah. Like, getting into Video Nasties has been exciting. And now, what's next? You know, maybe I could do all D'Amato films. That's you could do a run. I mean, there'd be some turds in the minefield, but <laughs> there'd be a lot of fun stuff, too. But some of the music could, could cover it up, or not cover it up, but, you know. Uh, it would sweeten the turd with a few... Oh yeah, you'd never you'd be surprised how a, a, a piece of turd with a really nice music track over it could probably stand out a little better. No way, a hundred percent, man. I, I should say I, I got a bit excited and said my favorite. I, you know, Hands of Steel and Raiders of Atlantis are probably the two I love most, but this is yeah. one that like it, it hits the mark. Like it's got a really cool poster. It was one I remembered as a kid, and I went on the poster actually. And uh, it, it's action, like it's pacey. You know, it's pretty fun. So, yeah, he was definitely a competent director. Um, what else do we want to talk about here? Uh, I'll say this, and I'll come back to this later on. You're a horror guy first and foremost. The kills are really stand out for me. And I'm not just talking about there's lots of gore. They're edited really effectively. Like, the kills are pretty brutal in this film. Yes. Yeah, they're they're prolonged, which is you know another staple of Italian horror. You know, like that Fulci made bad. So I love that. But they didn't. Um, they they were confident in their visual fe- in their makeup. They were confident in their makeup work by holding on those shots. Yeah. You know? Instead of pulling away, and you know because they know it didn't look good. Even if they they weren't perfect, the, the effects there. But I mean, it that's what visceral the kept going. I was like, I literally on that first kill with the drill to the uh, the girl and the. Oh man, uh, the nurse! I, w- I literally like put my hands in the air like yes, <laughs> like, big time. You know, I, was, I can't believe that I never saw this movie. I never saw this scene, you know. Um, and you know, it, it, it go it, it stands right up to like Gates of Hell and uh, all the Fulci stuff, you know. I mean, um, yeah, I thought the effects. Let's give credit to that guy. I wrote it down it's Giuseppe Ferranti. Yeah, and, and I want to say Ferranti did a lo- other work as well that was pretty notable. Yeah, he, he um, Cannibal Ferrix, and then... Uh, Great Cat, effects. Yeah, the Cat in the Brain, you know, and Great a effects. lot in between all these, but these are the ones that stood out to me. And then All the Colors of the Dark, which was not a lot of, there wasn't a lot of gore in that, but just to know that he was the one who, who approved those blood splots on the necks and just simple blood stuff, I mean, that's awesome. This guy knows, he knows the look of Italian Dude. You know, horror. Let's talk one moment. Okay, you, we talk about Cannibal Ferox. Let's say one thing. When I say to you Cannibal Ferox, what's the very first thing you think of? Cannibal Holocaust. Well, okay, scene in <laughs> – let me be more specific. What scene do you think of first in Cannibal Ferox? All right. Uh, cutting off the dick. Okay, well, then that's a good one. I was thinking of the hooks. Oh, yes. Well, that's the, the imagery from that, yeah? Uh, that's not my very first, but that one and also the chopping of the head. There's a, but that, okay, so there you go. So we've shown this is a guy who did quality effects. Yep. Right? Yep. Quality effects, absolutely. Um, actually in the video Nasty's mix. Uh, yes. Like, used, all, used that film and the best shots. And, yep. Yeah, he, uh, anyway, the makeup work is uh, really good. Uh, and uh, I love how they hold on those shots. And they, they're, they're proud of it. They are. And they should be, like you said. Um, so uh, one of the other things, uh, one of the, a couple lines that I thought were great. As always, we get the line of the film, like the title, shoehorned right. in. There's someone, I don't know if it's a nurse or someone, she goes, that's absurd. Completely that's absurd. Like, it's like, it is absurd. <laughs> yes. It's like three times. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there was a line um, uh, when uh, Eastman, or not Eastman, but um, the doctor here, he, uh, he Edmund Purdom, 
he said that that he, it was a line of like Halloween where he's like, he's a creature of evil. The spark of God was smothered the moment the devil took possession of him. You know, it's like it's something Loomis would have said. You know, like oh, that's totally. You pull out of that time. It's, it's that extended version of the same thing Loomis said. You know, in a, in a of course the Italians add, adding that extra, as you said, extra um, spice to it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. You know, it would have been a great project. I feel like D'Amato and Eastman really missed the mark because between Anthropophagus and this, I would have loved to have seen an ultra sleazy like Rasputin with Eastman directed by D'Amato. Lots of sex and violence and yeah. it would have been pretty amazing, you know, with fucking Eastman in a have big robe. Seen, have you seen the uh, well, Eastman, you know, they got down and dirty in the Rock Knights, the Living Dead. Have you seen that movie yet? Uh, D'Amato? No, I've never seen the whole thing, man. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. But you're familiar, it's like basically a porno movie. Yeah, well, he and D'Amato did a lot of like porn, so right. But this one know. was like it was the one where it was an Italian horror movie, zombie movie, but it was a porno too. I mean, and if you can, if you've never seen it and you can figure what is that like exactly what you're thinking it's like, is what it's like. And that's <laughs> amazing, and it's such an amazing, shameless title, Erotic Nights of the Living Dead. Yes, great title, and then I. And so, uh, great music too. I have a a little uh, ten inch from. Whoa, uh, that's a, that, there's no nothing little about a ten inch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, careful! All right, let me. It's a twelve inch. Record. <laughs> uh, ten inch record of uh, um, it's reissue. Well, I guess the original tapes from the music from Erotic Nights of the Living Dead and Anthropophagus were were are missing. So there's nothing out there. That's one soundtrack that everyone wants to put out, get their hands on but it, the tapes don't exist. But there's this band out of, uh, I believe they're from, and I should give credit to them, I have a record right here, but from the UK, I believe, and they do like covers, like note for note, exact replicas of certain soundtracks that their their master tapes were gone for good. So, oh, wow. And they did Erotic Nights of the Living Dead. With it. It's a disco track. I mean, it's Italo disco uh, with porno and gore. It's, it's like That heaven. sounds like, I was gonna say, it sounds like heaven. Right, like and then on the other side is Anthropophagus, which they also covered, and uh, that's also on my mix for when I did Anthropophagus in the video. And I said, you know what? Can I let me grab this record? I have to give. Yeah. To Are you? Oh, you want me to vamp while you get it? No, uh, right here. I'm right You're right there. He's got. He's, he's got his 12 inch at hand. I turn around to my, my 12 inches lined up. <laughs> um, it is Deke Ferentz and Roger Conrad. Oh wow. And they, they do um, their label. Let me see. Yeah, there's the. I'm trying to figure what's going on here. Cineplate Records. That's all. That's the main thing I want to say. So Cineplate Records released this. They do a lot of other covers of uh, other other tracks. Of, but it's if you want to get your uh, your your Italo sleaze, your soundtrack sleaze stuff, these guys are doing really good versions of it, and uh, that. And that's it. Just made me think of Erotic Nights because that track in there is, is amazing. So that's also more reason to go see that that movie. Nice, very nice. Um, there's a line in this I have to um, take offense to, as the uh, vice president of uh, the handsome George Eastman Appreciation Society. Um, the the nurse says, I think the nurse and the cop uh, they're exchanging words about this this mystery man who's coming for surgery and. She says, he's huge. Not my type at all. Man, I'm thinking, girl, Eastman is everyone's type. So you got to stop yes. with that kind of t- talk, right? So Again, I keep hearing these things he's done. I got it. I got it. 
gotta let me know which ones to definitely catch because uh, he was also in uh, Bronx Warriors, but really it's a quick scene, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's uh, like that one. It's probably the other only movie I've seen him act in besides Anthropophagus Absurd and this one. You know, so, he's he did a couple. He's he's done some spaghetti work. He did uh, Baba Yaga, where he he gets his cardigan game is on point. I've seen that movie, but I don't remember him in there. He was the boyfriend, and somehow he fits into like an Italian car, which in and of itself is no small feat. Um, because, yeah, and he's he's six seven, man. Okay, well, it's not too much for me. No, yeah, he's he's a big <laughs> dude. Recruiting, but yeah, I'm six four. But I mean. <laughs> I'll give you two. I'll give you two that I love, love, love him in. Rabid Dogs, Mario okay. Bava. I, for my money, it's Bava's best film. That's another way. That was also called, uh, what was another name of that one? It was uh, Kidnapping? Yep. Okay, yeah. Yep. I, still, I, have, I still didn't get around okay. to that one. Rabbit Dogs. And the other one I love of his, and I love it only because it's such a diff, Iron Master, he's great in because he gets to wear like a huge pelt on his head. It's like a barbarian film. Yeah. Um, wow. That's kind of fun. Um, the one I was thinking of, oh, what was the name of it? Um... Oh, man, it's a late cycle. I'm going to look for it as we're talking here. It's a late cycle uh, Eurocrime film, and it takes place in New York City. He comes to New York City, and he's like, he's the lead in it. And um, Blood and Bullets, maybe. Let me see if it's Blood and Bullets. Yes, Blood and Bullets. And it's it's uh, Alfonso Brescia, who's an okay filmmaker, but it's got Jenny Tamburi. It's got Jack Palance in it. Eastman shows up at, like, LaGuardia. And there's a shootout with a bunch of dudes and like Jason hockey masks. Oh jeez! So, yeah. so he's done a lot of um, uh, Polizia films too. Yeah, he's done. He's you know like any good Italian, he kind of dipped his toe or other things into uh, as many after as many uh, projects as he could. Uh, he was in yeah. something called Dog Lay Afternoon as well, oh, directed by George Eastman. <laughs> and I'll give you this: a young girl witnesses her mother having sex with the family dog. When her father finds out, he burns the dog alive. So, it's oh. uh, like I said, years of things to look forward to. <laughs> oh, it's true, man. It's uh, true. Which but is the Polizia stuff to that is that I'm actually that's the next vice I'm about to tackle. You know, I, I or to, about to start is because the only thing I've seen, the only crime movie I've ever seen a Italian Polizia film to the full was Almost Human. Yeah. And. And um, and I was like, man, I can see myself. And this is at the time I've seen that when I was watching a lot of Jalo. I'm like, I don't want to get off my Jalo kick, so I don't want to keep going on the Polizia stuff. But that was the one that was almost hooked me. And I'm like, I'll get to this someday. And that was literally what ten years now or more, and I still haven't gotten it. But I'm now another thing with the soundtracks. All these oh, places. there's some great, great soundtracks, dude. That's already a mix right there. You know, yeah. a mix that of all that stuff with these films. So that's another one of the cinematherapy projects that uh, got lined up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, I love them. You'll love them. There's some that are hybrids of sort of Jalo and Eurocrime, which is a nice little melding, right? Like, um, what have they done to our daughters? Things like that, right? I saw that one yesterday. I watched it last night. But I didn't know that. I didn't really consider that a, a Polizia, but there was some really good ch- car chase stuff. The there. police procedural, right? It's a, it's cops. Because it, a lot of the sort of classic Jalo is um person is injected into a situation kind of you know a tourist or someone whereas this shows the the cop side and you know it shows yeah. everything right so it's kind well, of good I like that. That, that documentary the uh the Eurocrime documentary which are friends of the show right Doesn't yeah 
Mr. Yeah. Malloy, Mike Malloy. That, yeah, I mean, I remember hearing about those guys on the show talking about this, and I was like, oh man, I got to see this thing. And then, and then I was like, God, it was again. I was the, I could have got into it at that time, but I'm like, no, I'm gonna have to put, put this down. Like we were talking about time and stuff earlier, and like only one genre at a time. You know? <laughs> oh, it's so true. And that's what's fun, though. I like doing it that way. I don't know if you're like that too. I get in kicks of certain directors or certain, you know, uh, genres, and then I just kind of keep going until it's time to change it up. You know? No, exactly. And well, and that's the thing, right? It's nice to to be able to. I can see the argument for both um, philosophies. Go head first into everything. Um, see patterns. See directors. You kind of get your fill. And other times, kind of dabbling in between, like a sample platter of. So yeah. it's like a buffet where you get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. Well, I definitely did that. I definitely did that. Like I said, that's how I squeezed in, uh, or that's how I was able to not pass up on Almost Human, which uh, I just kept seeing so much about. Tremendous know? film. Just a tremendous film. Um, yeah, yeah, so... Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to Well, okay, I was just going to say, I don't know if we're kind of going in the, in the order of the movie, but I like how I like what we're talking about now. It's kind of more of, uh, you know, everything that's inspired from this movie, because that's what it said. This is not really a review. It's... Uh, it's really my love letter to to a movie I discovered, you know, for the first time only a year ago. Well, yeah, and it's that's like you said, that's one of the joys of, of film. You know, I, I've been, you know, and it's no secret to anyone that's listened. We collectively, as the Gentleman's Guide, um, principally the three hosts, we've all been kind of sideswiped with time and or lack thereof, and. Um, but you know, I'll see something, and I'm not I'm not blowing smoke up your ass here. And I'll get to this more when we talk about video nasties in a few minutes, um, as we wrap up the review here for this one or the, the sort of commentary on this film. But your project that you did, as I was watching yesterday, you know, it's almost like the pilot light, and like it dims sometimes, and or a fireplace, and the flames flickering, flickering. It's always on, but there's other times where that flame gets turned up high. And watching that yesterday turned my flame up high again because. Um, I mean, it really did. I mean, I'm not just saying that because seeing these films in pristine Blu-ray um, quality is just, it's exciting. And it's like, a, it's a really great uh, way for, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could shake out a project like this party, you can throw it on and stuff, but we'll, we'll get into that. But um, it did really excite me. And then to, to see this one at the same time, to go back, it was like, yeah, man, like I got to try to make more time for some of these films. Oh, I should, I, should, I lied by the way. Uh, Eastman six nine, not six seven. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's like power forward size. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but it, it really reignited um, or turned that flame back up for me because we can say this is a serviceable um, Italian horror film, but there's still a lot of great things in it. Like you know, uh, the kills are great, um, even if it does seem a bit. Um, um, what's what I'm looking for? Like a copy of sorts. It, it, the template, it follows the template, but it, it does its own thing and um, it does it quite well. Uh, I do want to say one of the interesting things that I'd never really realized, or maybe I have, we've been doing this show for 10 years, a lot of Italian horror films or, or Gialli, you ever notice a lot of the kills tend to be more interior in houses, in buildings. Sometimes you get it in a piazza at night, but it tends to be isolated. A lot of times it's not... American films, you tend to get chasing through the woods. You get this, you yeah. get that. That's where I put things in horror and action territory. You know, like I'm not really a horror action. I like more you know, dramas and small small uh, casts, confined places, things like that. And um, you know, that's all budget reasons too, and that's sure that's why a lot of Italians did that. Um, well, you know, a lot of a lot of the going back to the, the crime stuff, they've done a lot, like in the cities, and you know, and they do oh, some yeah. pretty 
pretty big things to copy off, like you know, the Godfather thing, you know, where lynching people in public and all that. But that's not needed with with a lot of these uh, slashers and stuff. So no, um, I, I like how it is really contained, and uh, it's a lot of story wise, but also you know, you can you can't help but see that it's basically budget uh, and. Uh, you know, for the Brahmin era, this, these movies were being made. But they'd make it work to their benefit because much like Carpenter narrowing the scope of the camera, there's yeah. a certain sense or an element of claustrophobia that comes with being confined to a space, right? Even if it's subconscious and even if it is your hand is forced because of budgetary reasons, keeping something confined as much as you can uh, can really work to your benefit, right? Well, that's when it, that's when it's a challenge, you know. it's uh, they, they always say the best... The best films, you know, come out of you know pressure of, of um, cutting back. You know, like just oh yeah, because it, if you keep throwing money at a problem, you're just gonna do make a lot more. You're stir. spinning your wheels. You're getting in deeper, man. I don't want to talk about film. See, you know, that's the thing. I'm I, a filmmaker too, and I was like, yeah. okay. It's, my mind could go there too. Well, you, <laughs> so, and you can see every side of it now: composer, filmmaker, film fan, right? Yeah. And that's what's fun. It's like, like I said, if you think about that. Go back to you know young Jimmy's life watching horror movies. Like, I was thinking that's something that can never be done. I can never do something like that. I, I grew up with com- non-confidence like that. You know, I just mm-hmm. thought it's like this thing someone, you know, only big big Hollywood connection people can do. And then as the years go by, and you're seeing that the technology is becoming easier, and then you're seeing other people doing it, and like I can do this too. You know, and that's kind of why it started late for me. You know, but I mean, I love anyway. So I was making a point is that I watch all these movies now and it's like I I can't help but to say I want to try that. Like I can't just I'm as a fanboy as I am. I cannot just watch a movie without just watching and enjoying it. My creative mind is like, okay, I want to do something with what I'm seeing, something what what I'm doing. And 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 then I I put out my product, my tangible product, you know, which is like a Blu-ray disc or a movie, you know, or or a mix CD or even a file on SoundCloud, you know, of what I'm into, you mm-hmm. know, not out through my music and through visual. No, it's true. It's very true. I got just a couple more notes before we jump off. Is there anything you want to add to this sort of review before we get into video nasties? Uh, no, let me just say, oh, the one thing about the Super Bowl thing I had to make note of this. It's so funny. <laughs> is that, uh, yeah, the, yeah, I love like traditional movies, you know, like of course, Halloween, you watch on Halloween, Friday the 13th, you watch all the Friday the 13th, you know, Fog Day's become a big thing now, I don't know if you watch fog, The Fog on the 21st, you know, there's some, there's some geek uh, 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 annual things that people are doing, and I want to make this the official Super Bowl horror movie to watch. My, nice. So perfect to watch on Super Bowl Sunday, so. It is, man, it told the big game, the big game. You could do this with the last match as like a, an Italian, we don't quite get it, but we almost get it, sort of sleazy horror, action-y double yeah. feature. Oh, I gotta see that. By the way, no, it's fun. I'll try to zip it over to you if I find it. Um, yeah, thanks for bringing up. Uh, thanks for letting me do absurd. I mean, I like I said, I just really like uh, uh, the whole. There's so much to talk about rather than just step by step of what happens in the movie. There's just so much about the history, about all the aspects in this movie that make it fun. There's a lot of history about it because of the video nasties connection, and uh, it's a great movie. So you, if anyone hasn't seen it, man, go out there and support it and pick up that 88 films release because that's what I did. Yeah, no, I just want a couple more notes. I got to add in a couple things here very quickly because I, I did want to break it down sort of as a traditional review, even if we kind of went all over the place with it. George Eastman playing a hulking, sweaty beast 
is akin to Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark. It's just he can do it in his sleep. You know what I mean? Right. He's just born to do that. Um, <clears throat> I love, love, love the oven scene. There's like a, there's like yeah. a, a murder or a kill scene, if you will, involving an oven. And it gets intense. And you want to talk about the nuts and bolts and the craft of a scene. They shoot it from inside this, right. uh, inside the, uh, the oven. Yeah, the, right. the person's face is like burning really, and blistering. That was a really well edited scene too. Like it was. A lot of um, suspense and tension between cutting back of the girl in the bed. And, you know, again, that just shows, uh, um, you know, that uh, they're just good filmmakers involved, you know. I it don't is. know how fast they pull this movie off, but they definitely put heart and care into these things. They do. And they're edited well, man. That's the key, yeah. right? They're edited. They stretch it out. The tension's there. Uh, you got to give it up, man. Homegirl didn't quit. Her face is in that oven. The flame gets going. Her face is blistering. And it was a brutal scene. It was you recognize a... the girl, by the way? The girl? Her name, yeah. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I don't know that I did off the top of my head. Her name here, but she Katya Berger? She is in um, House at the Edge of the Park. Uh, oh, Annie Bell was. Annie Bell. Annie Bell, and I love Annie Bell, but she looks That's a bit older one. in this one. No, that's her in the oven right there. Was it? <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that movie was... Yeah, that threw me for a loop. Was it the same year? I mean, uh, around the same time, 80s? 81 or 80, I think. 80. So she looked um, looked the same. She was sexier looking in House of the Park, that's for sure. She oh, yeah, if we can be piggish for a moment, absolutely. She. Oh, I'm mixing up, ironically, Annie Bell with Lorraine DeSell, who played the, the brunette. Oh, the girl who's in the oven was the yeah. blonde babysitter. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I was mixing up Annie Bell with Lorraine DeSalle. I'm thinking, man, Lorraine DeSalle hasn't aged very well, but okay. um, <laughs> I got you now. I got you now. Um, yeah, great. Yeah, Suave shows up as a biker. We don't really see him in, in the in yeah. the one scene. So, um, For that disc, if you pick it up, is the, they, he's, he has a little intro, and he's interviewed in the, in the Blu-ray for this because he worked with D'Amato, he was like his uh, his he was his mentor basically. He uh, started him. So I, the first thing he ever did was was um, acting, and then he started getting on D'Amato's good side, and that's how he became to work with him and and uh, become a PA and stuff. That's like Eric Sang and moved or, his or way no, up. Eric directly. Sang. Um, there's someone in Hong Kong film. Oh, what's his? I can't think of his name now. He just saying he started. I was working like like a an electrician. And then he ended up, uh, you know, becoming like a, a, a star, if you will, of some of the films. Um, I'll say this. Uh, George Eastman fucking hates organ music on vinyl. I mean, he starts going, not, you know, just kind of a, right, right. you know, he's just going berserk. He was even, he was even burnt, uh, burnt on in that theme. He, yeah, man. He's like, I've had enough. Because um, that was an orchestra. If you notice, it was an orchestra version of that cue. Right? Yeah. He was like, enough, man. Enough. Um, the scissors are effectively brutal in this film. Yeah. Right? Whoever, I made a note here, too. Whoever does his voiceover work, man, has a great scream. Because he, when he got stabbed in the eyes, Ooh. it was like it was a great male scream. Yeah, he totally does. He totally does. Um, final note, before I get into sort of my scores and everything. Um, the girl, like the, the main girl, she reminded me a little bit of like Heather Langenkamp. She's like a yeah. little bit Heather Langenkampy. Yeah. I was thinking of Lam Suet, by the way, the Hong Kong actor who kind of parlayed being an electrician or prop guy into. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, a lot of guys get worked. Yeah, a lot of guys. We had a young girl. Um, I thought, and I don't know if you've seen the movie 
um, the Ring of Darkness. But yeah. I thought that that was the girl that was in Ring of Darkness, who was also grew up to be the girl that got killed instead in uh, Tenebrae. Uh, oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you showed the scene. The POV scene when she was running backwards. and yep. Yeah. She was in... God, we're really over the place now, but she was in Ring of Darkness, but I thought the girl from Pieces was that girl until I checked it. You know, I thought until this time, until yesterday, when I watched it again is when I checked it, I thought it was the same girl. A lot of bleed over, right? Between the oh, yeah. between us. Yeah, so. I love that. Love catching up. No, I agree, man. Uh, we could we could sit here and talk. That's that's the problem. Time, right? Is our see ironically as we talked about off the air, time is our enemy. Um let's uh did you have a score and everything for this? Can you can you do that or uh Sure. Did you well, really what, prepare? what are they again? What's your what's the time? You get the, the make or break scene, the MVT, and the score out of 10. Well, I'll go with the score out of 10 first would be uh, at 8. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because I, like I said, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. I mean, there's some movies that are art house level that I put at around 8, <clears> but I mean, sure. I still say for, for what this movie wants to be is, um, you know, perfect. That's an 8. Uh, as far as the make or break, um, I love that drill scene because I. It's so it, good. Because when that happens and then the, the cue kicks in, one of the best music cues, a dirty synth flying, you know, and it's like grindhouse sound, violence that the camera's not pulling away from. And like I said, that was like a hands in the air moment of like, wow, I didn't, this movie's going to be great. This movie's going to be a great ride because I didn't, I forgot. I think I was just not seeing enough gore. I was, I was getting to the point where I was watching too many Italian horror movies that were not delivering for at least the, that, that level of the gore stuff. And this was the first one I've seen in a long time, so that's why it really just like made me put my hands up in the air and say, "This fucking movie's an instant classic." Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly, man, exactly. That uh, was your MVT, most valuable. Most valuable thing. Uh, Eastman, man, just <laughs> even though they, didn't, they didn't put him in the, even though they didn't put him in the uh, the makeup like anthropophagus that they're saying it was supposed to be a. a Kind Monster. of a sequel. It's like, well, he seemed to have like had better skin and looks a lot better. If it's supposed to be a sequel, because he was deteriorating and almost, you know, dead. And then and he shows up in absurd. He looks nice. It's kind of like he said, "I want to be handsome. Even though I gotta kill people, I still have to have a nice tan, and I still need to be handsome." Yeah, right? man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. He's got to keep that shirt unbuttoned a certain number of buttons, and got to satisfy everyone. Um, my make or break scene is the drill scene. This and the oven scene's great. One girl gets her wig split proper with like a drill, but the saw, sorry, the saw scene, it's right. edited well, it's effectively brutal. They hang on enough to show like the, the saw inside the head shaking. I mean, it's really well done. Oh, yeah, yeah, the guy. Yeah, oh, God, how could I forget? Yeah, that, that was good. That was a good scene. Uh, MBT is the the gore. I mean, the gore of this film, which is what a horror film is kind of a lot of times hangs its hat on. The gore is great. Uh, My score for the film is a 7.25 out of 10. You can do a lot worse than this. It's a little bit by the numbers, but the kills are excellent. You get George Eastman as Michael Myers, and you get Edmund Purdom, who looks like an old Ivan Rasimov, as the priest who's out to stop him. So you could do a lot worse. Um, we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back and we're going to quickly talk about uh, Jimmy's project here, his latest thing that really inspired the absurd review and is the reason we're doing this whole show. So we're going to take a short break and come right back.
and welcome back to the big game. We're going to watch the big game. We're going to eat pasta in our three-piece suits, and we're going to talk about video nasties. Not specifically the list of 72 films, but specifically the visual mixtape that our friend Jimmy has made that was inspired by, and its content is uh, from... The video nasties list. So, Jimmy, we you've, people have heard the term visual mixtape, and I think that's a, a great uh, description. Why don't you expand on that and let our listeners know what a visual mixtape is? Well, basically, uh, it's you know, a DJ mix is when you're you're mixing song to song, record to record, whatever. Uh, whether it's you know nowadays it could be done on computers or it can just be done straight the way I feel it should be vinyl to vinyl. Mm-hmm. But when I um envision doing these the visual mixtape i was like well there's technology now through there's a company called serato and there's others too that do it where you can play an mp4 file so basically you're you're dropping a needle on your record but it's going to play the audio file but also the video attached to that file so you can literally scratch the song you could scratch the record and when you scratch the record you can see the the the, the scene on the screen scratching as well because you're literally controlling it like a record so that's what a visual mixtape is. What, I, what I'm doing is I'm taking the films and I'm making my own edit for that one track. Like, per se, if I'm going to use Absurd, I'm going to take the movie, the, the song Rosso Sangu, uh, the great repetitive, you know, <laughs> Carla Maria Cordell track from the movie. And there's some really good music in there. So it's like, I want to play this, this record out like other DJs play at a soundtrack style club. We're playing record to record. But I would make a video edit, taking all the scenes of the movie, mash them up into like a nice music video, and that is now my version that I play when I spin it. So when you when you hear the song, you're also going to see my edit I made. So I can't take credit for making the music, but I and I can't take credit for making the movie. But what I do is I mash those two up into a remix version visually and audibly, because sometimes I'll extend the music to be lo- longer then the record didn't be able to do or cut it shorter because I thought it was too repetitive or something. Or I take pieces of the movie's dialogue and throw it in there. Mm-hmm. And then that mix, uh, lay that out with 15 other tracks that are doing the same thing, but are all different movies. And you can make a theme and the video nasty's theme or video nasty's mix was the theme in which was all those films from that. Uh, not all of them, not all 72, but my favorite of the 72. No, sorry, Jimmy, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's it. When you say, and that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you, was how did you go about choosing which video nasties were in your project, video nasties? Was it um, availability in high def? Was it scores that you loved? Was it a combination of both? Was it how they would mix together uh, in terms of matching beats? How did you select? Was it 15, I think you said? Yes. Uh, the, The main thing was the music. It had to be the music because I, again, I that's what led me into these films was the music. So I based the theme was dirty synth scores, and it was all like like a lot of Moog stuff and and squelchy, you know, uh, repetitive, arpeggiated kind of style of of score. I love in these movies, and when they break off into breakbeat themes and you know rock themes and electronic themes, like oh my god, this is the heaven. So. I wanted to make sure I picked all my favorite music. And what I realized is that a lot of the music that I had were all on this list after I 
um, did some research. I was like, God, I have all these soundtracks now because I got the soundtrack book and buying the vinyl. <clears throat> and I'm like, now I'm going to go and watch these films. And then I was like, all these things had in common that they were all video nasties. And then I that led me to finding others that I'd never seen before, hoping that the score was as good. Because there's definitely some great video nasties on the list that are not in this mix. It's not because I don't like the movie. It's because maybe I felt that score of that movie would fit. Like Last House of the Left is a is a great notorious video nasty, and but that score which I love it. It's very folky. It's you know it's um, jazzy for that era. It's more hippie, like, <laughs> and it's not electronic. But there is a scene in there where um, where she's he, he's he's gutting her and pulling her guts out, and uh, it's like I mean this is like the trippiest move sound. That oh yeah. You all kinds of dance music but this was a straight just the sense and anyway i was like that is sick it's dirty move stuff so that's the only thing i felt qualified to go into the mix uh because that's the style i was doing is all that kind of stuff and it didn't that's one that didn't actually make the mix um it's as an extra bonus feature on the dvd the blu-ray that you can see um but it's basically like just a, a little last house on the left homage using that theme nice so, very nice. I think one of the great things I, I told you when we were talking about Absurd that I really love is you can put this on at a party, right? You could put this on if you were like, you know, having a Halloween party or something. I mean, you wouldn't want to put it on for like your grandmother's 75th birthday or anything, but, you know, yeah. like a party, like, you know, or if you had something film related or just, you know, you could throw it on or you could watch it and consume it and kind of let it wash over you, which yeah. I really like how it's it, it's uh, diverse in that regard. And I thought, yeah, and I thought that's how it would work. It'll work in either the live level, the live venue, which, you know, I've, I've done some gigs. And I was yeah. going to a club out in L.A. called Rendezvous, which um, is another big reason why I got hooked into this, uh, is that I knew there was a venue that would actually let me play what I love. And, you know, others love it, too, because that club is basically it's all soundtracks of, of films you know, all over, basically 60s, 70s, library music and, and horror films and just everything. up. There. And uh, those guys are real, real vinyl enthusiasts and know their stuff. And they can break down, you know, I was talking about how I couldn't break down Carla Maria Cardillo. I was like, man, they can break it down to everything he's ever done. You know? and, and so uh, that club basically plays this, this concept. And, when, and I was like, okay, I want to play for club, clubs like this and the cool thing is they're starting to pop up all over America mm-hmm. but it also works on a level as you said is a Blu-ray where you can just play at a Halloween party and I've gotten or parties you know I've gotten a lot of emails already from people saying they like the disc and or on Twitter and stuff saying they like the disc and that they're playing it at their party and they would take pictures of their screen at this party they're playing at and I think that's awesome that it's breaking out that way and yeah. uh, and uh, basically that is where I envision the audience as being that and um, also the possibilities of playing it live. You know, I've done uh, film festival gigs. You know, just playing between movies, playing a, you know in the lounge after the movies play, or you know, and I want to do more of that because it's it's awesome to be able to, to do this for crowds that that uh, want it and, and respect it. Oh, big time, big time! And like I said, that's the thing that it works so brilliant, brilliantly. There's films in here I hadn't even seen. Um, can you list for our listeners? Can you list the films that uh, that are featured? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just go off the track listing. So the it opens up with 
the Video Nasties documentary, which is another thing I have to give a shout out to Severn Films for releasing that, because that is the documentary, if you haven't seen that, about the Video Nasties. So if you want to know about, you know, in, in a nice, good pacing, you know, 90 minute movie documentary about the history, this is the one to watch, um, you know, learn everything about it. So I used like a piece of that. I opened up with uh, just because the, they put a great collage of all the 72 films done really fast. It saved me a lot of time because I would have and I was going to get all 72 movies just to have them so I can make wow. a collage to open. But then when I saw this documentary did it, I was like, great, I don't have to go and get all these. But I did end up buying a lot of movies and having to go find these movies. So anyway, that's Video Nasty's first. Second one is um, is The Boogeyman. Which I've never seen. I know nothing about. Mm, oh, man. Boogeyman was another one, man. Uh, is, yeah, definitely have to see that. And, and this was one that since I decided to go down this road, I, ca- I watched that movie for the first time, too. Again, another iconic box. The girl out the window with the curtains blowing. I mean, that Great. image. I've seen an image poster since I was you know, 12, 13 years old, and i never, ever seen it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know how these movies, you just put them off. You just put them off or... Or you know, I would hear a show like yours that would talk about it and make me want to go watch it. But and and I probably did hear you guys talk about it, and I just never did. But it it was the perfect project to go down this research route to learn about video nasties, and then to bring all these movies to my um, my eyes to see this. And then, but again, it was the scores because I've heard that soundtrack of that movie, just never seen it. Right. I love that score. It was inevitable to go in. Um, Boogeyman, The Burning, Possession. Uh, zombie Flesh Eaters, a.k.a. Zombie, The Beyond, House by the Cemetery, Anthropophagus, Absurd, Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Ferrix, Cannibal Apocalypse, another one that I had to go watch, i never seen it. Contamination, another one I never had, never saw, but I had to Great blue it. of that. Tenebrae, uh, Bloody Moon, which is another one I've never seen. I've always wanted I to see I love that. Bloody Moon. Jess Franco was all... Oh, I love, by the way, if I can shout out my own disc, I love, and I'm so happy of the mix I did of Bloody Moon in this. Yes, yes. Uh, I was so like, good. Oh, I had to go find that record. And then again, it's, uh, it cannot be found. But there's a company out of Germany that did the release for Bloody Moon. It's a three-pack. Every cue in that movie is on there, is on this vinyl. Every little sound effect, every little sound design is in that is in that record. If you're a Bloody Moon fan, that's you have to get this this uh, soundtrack. Uh, so yeah, that that track is in there. And then Don't Go in the House, which was another one that I remember seeing the credits of that of that movie, you know, and it goes right into that disco theme. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I had ideas. This is when I was DJing house music and stuff. I had ideas of doing a remix of that song, but never got around to that idea. I was gonna do. A, a, a disco house version of Don't Go in the House. Oh, oh, man. That track is so, like, right up the alley of, like, you know, a lot of the stuff I'm sure you're familiar with, like the Bad Boy Bill stuff. And yeah. The, the funky house music. That was a perfect sample. And I just never got on to do it. Maybe I will do it someday. The Chicago uh, stuff or all that but, stuff. Yeah, but I love, uh, I love that soundtrack. I had to go out and buy the original 12-inch, which is a disco band that released that song in clubs. So that song was played in clubs in the 70s, you know, and uh, little to know that it made it to a, a soundtrack of a sweezy movie called Don't Go in a House. And Which I've never it. seen, I should say. Oh, another one to do. And then we, yeah, that's how it ends. So that's that's the like 15 or 16, so I can't remember uh, how many exactly, but that's on the mix. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, yeah, because like I said, the, the great thing for me that I think this really does is it, it 
captures the power of the image and the power of the score, and it punctuates the violence beautifully with the high watermarks sonically of the the scores from these. Because the sequences we see on screen aren't always, and very rarely, are aligned in the actual film with the pieces of music. So to see the height from a, a music standpoint uh, height of, uh, from the visual or scene standpoint and put them mm-hmm. together, it elevates both ends wonderfully. Yeah. That was one of my big takeaways from your project. Thank you. Thank you. Because, you know, there was, it's really, uh, it's, it's tempting to do it the easy way and which is take the best scenes and, uh, and just loop them and play them over and even show them over and over. Cause I've seen a lot of video mixes that do that. Mm-hmm. And it's cool, but it's like I basically thought of it as like I got my three minutes as this track is to show to tell the story of the movie. And so I kind of like start with the opening and then it gets to the, the money shots and then it gets to the peak. And, and I, I've also been since my earlier projects, the, the color of darkness and Euro trash. I, a lot of people are saying, I don't like watching these. I was getting some feedback, you know, uh, and online is I don't like watching these mixes because uh, it, it spoils the movies for me. And so I don't like watching these. And like I can understand that. And that's actually something that I was thinking like, will the purists hate me for doing something like this? Because I'm really giving away the, all the money shots. I'm I'm showing everything. But come on. What do you, you think, all, man? Like we're we're there watch, to see the money shots. <laughs> What's that? We we watch horror films to see the money shots. No, I'm, not, I'm saying like giving it away. Like yeah, I I think that's an unfair criticism if you're gonna watch a mixtape. Yeah, and so I was like, I really was thinking maybe I shouldn't do this because some people didn't see these movies. But it's like we've all seen these movies. We've yeah. seen all fans. We've seen these movies over and over and over again. I think the reason why it's never going to end, and the reason why it's stronger now than ever, is because everyone's reminding us on every level of how good these this era was. Because that's why Waxwork and Death Waltz and several others are releasing soundtracks. Because they know there's a fan base for it. Because now people can't get enough of the movie. Now they got to go get the vinyl. And they can't get enough of the movie. They had to go get the original posters and all, and autographs. And so it's like, I'm not here to make, to make money on this thing. I just want to show this is what I'm doing as an art. And this is what I do when I perform as a DJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is how I see the movie. And it's basically, to me, I, I'm, it's a love letter and a shout out to the, to the companies that are putting these out. And that was the concept was... You took the time to, to make this pristine quality record and, and pristine quality um, transfer with these, these new looks. I mean, these new uh, uh, Blu-rays that are coming out, 4Ks and stuff. It's like, I want to do something with that now. It's inspiring me to do something with that. And, you know, this is what I'm doing. It's a, it's a little three-minute, four-minute version of the movie, and uh, it makes everyone smile. And I think it's an unfair criticism to say you're giving away the film. You're not giving away clip. Um, plot points you're giving away kills which oh i'm sorry why are we watching horror movies again like i mean come on that's such an unfair criticism of you i think and what you do um or what this project kind of does and it had the the exact effect you intended i think and we live in an age where films are on blue and guess what i hear that score and it's been remastered and the sound quality is great i think man i'd love to have that score on vinyl and these boutique labels are putting them out in beautiful presses um, and great, you know, cover art. And man, this looks amazing. So right. it's keeping these films alive through physical media right. and through people like you. So I commend it because, like I said, for me, it became hypnotizing. And you mentioned 
about giving stuff away, which ties into trailers quite nicely. One of my questions to you is I get the sense from you doing this project that you could cut a fantastic trailer. Yeah, I would I would love to. I actually, you know, Maybe something to look into. <laughs> I've done it for fun, you know. And uh, but man, that is, you know what? That's another thing. I don't want to get all freaking uh, political and tree hugger here because I really have the old school views of like I like movies that don't give away everything. I, sure. I would go crazy if I had to work for these companies because I know what they're going to tell me. They're going to be yeah. on my shoulder. You need to show more. You need to say more. And I'm going to be instantly out. I'm not going to want to do it. No, but of I course. Love these trailers that the artists are getting pure freedom to at least do their version. Yeah. There's trailers like that. The red bands, you know. Yes. There uh, or the teaser trailers. Most teaser trailers are done by the filmmaker themselves or an editor who is an artist. Just yes. to show keys of what the movie. Just movie. enough of the taste. But then when the marketers come in, that's when they're going to say you need to do this. And I'm and yeah, there's great jobs out there. People are doing that. But I think that doesn't that that doesn't make me feel like an artist. But if it pays the bills, it pays the bills. I'd rather do it at a at a hospital day job than than do that. No, I hear you, man. I hear you. Uh, like I said, I found your project very hypnotizing. It, it's it's seamless. My favorite mix was when you slide from. There's a few spots, like I said, where I knew you you were a DJ. Clearly, not that I didn't know, but if you if anyone didn't know that, man, that was a nice mix. It was just uh-huh. seamless. It was when you go from. Uh, the night the screaming stops in possession to the the Fabio Fritzi uh, zombie theme, yeah. and yeah, right yeah. with like the title like Z O M B I, and you the beat matches, and it was just a seamless mix. Now, did you? I'll, I'll ask you live on right now on this. Did you like that most, or did you? Because like that is the only element of like what I thought. Uh, that's what a lot of video DJs are doing now, but they're doing that with pop music. They're doing that with like you know EDM and and hip hop and stuff. And it's just so, it's just too much. You know, it's, it's, it's done it's, too it's, much. And yeah, so I figure I want to throw it in a little bit, but I got some really good response from other people too. Uh, and I I want to do that more, but I wasn't sure how that was going to go over. I thought that would be a little bit like, oh, we're not hip hop here, you know? No. no. It's kind of a little bit of artist, uh, you know, being too hard on myself. Thinking that I, I, should, you I know, think you are, up. I think you are being hard on yourself. And I'll say this. I like fudge. You didn't give me too much fudge. You gave me just enough fudge. Well, then that's what I thought. That's what right? I wanted to do. You throw a few of those in and you're good. You don't need to be the whole thing where you're matching it up. But no, it was perfect. Just perfect. Um, well, yeah, if, if I, when I do that, the new stuff I'm working on now, I'm doing that a lot more because I'm I'm pulling more stuff that work in the BPMs. Yeah. So if you're in the same BPM range, you're going to see locked mixes like that. Um, or you can see that you can beat mix everything like that. But if it's, you know, obviously if you're going from tempo to tempo, that's when you go into a different flow of DJing, which is like what a lot of these uh, these retro soundtrack bars are doing. It's just seamless, nice mixing record to record. No, but you're, that was that was good, though. Um, I do got to say. Um, but a lot of it was very fluid, uh, certainly. Um, I mentioned it's a great display for effects, and I really like. There's a lot of great standout moments. Like me watching this stuff in high def. Man, yeah. I got to get the blue for tenebrae. How do I not have the blue for tenebrae? Uh, ten- yeah, tenebrae. Really, tenebrae. Really. And how, how do I not have, um, you know, this blue, that blue, uh, the zombie blue? I mean, this boogeyman looks incredible. It looks like almost like. Um, uh, like an Argento, like an early '80s, like Inferno or something, with the gels and. 
Yep. It looks fantastic. Um, and it's also a turn, you know, even though the, the the purists will go back and watch these movies no matter what, how they look, and some people do prefer them to be scratchy and off VHS even. But, like, I mean, there's a whole new generation no. coming up. And, and I am one to... Uh, agree that I, we need to pull in the younger people with what they're used to seeing, you know. Oh, yeah. And then, then once you get hooked in, then you start going down the rabbit hole of everything below that, you know, everything darker and deeper. Because, like, Suspiria, it's like Suspiria Transfer, it looks like, I mean, the best ever. And it's blowing all our minds. And it's like, this is what all these movies can be if you took, put the time and care. And the materials are, you know, you can do that. And um, so I was just kind of also really showcasing that and, and and like publicly just saying thank you to the labels and that are putting these movies out because this work needs to be seen and 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 if i can you know make a hundred promos and sell a few and, and and if anything the labels will be you know they're not complaining about it i i have wrote letters to a lot of these labels and said that um i'm doing this project because i love it and you know um, i'm only making a hundred and no one said nothing. No one, no one said it was a problem. In fact, Severn Film, who's a good friend of, of the Rendezvous guys, um, they said, great, hey, he, whatever helps us sell more discs. And I think you do a good showcase, frankly, for the discs. Uh, uh, truly. I think it, it really brings light. <clears throat> I mean, it's when they look at a screenshot, but to see that picture moving and just be beautiful. It's like, you know what? Yeah. I got to go get the blue. I got to go get the blue. They're long trailers. For, they're basically long trailers for for the films, you know, because I had so many people say to me, I haven't seen that yet. Now you want it. Now you maybe want to go see it. How can I see it? And it's like, dude, go buy it. Go buy it. It is out on physical media. It looks great. Go, there's all those commentaries. There's extra features. Go buy it. I never really lead, I never ever lead people to, to, um, illegal means or you know to rip them or whatever because it's like i don't i don't do that myself and, and i just if i like a movie i'll go buy it you know oh for and sure so, and so now i can say that but there are some there are some films and that i actually have on some upcoming projects too that you can't find the movie so i have to go and get it yeah released and they look like crap and it's like i don't really want to put that out but maybe that could be a theme too. The next one will be all shit that's never been released. That needs to be. And that's a mix right there. So all these are concepts, ideas for different genres and different things. So maybe this, since this is the pristine new mix of Video Nasties, maybe I could do another one that is going to be all the ones that Fuzzier and the picture quality is not as good. Right. And I was going to release this on a VHS tape, by the way, just for the concept. But uh, like what the Rendezvous guys have done in the past, and uh, I just felt, you know, it, it, the the whole concept of being crisp and clean and the best sounding and visual could be, I want to release it that way too. So I I put it out in a Blu-ray. It's a Blu-ray, but it's in an old school looking clamshell. It's yeah. a it's a beautiful package. I know you thank the gentleman who put this together, and of course I will say absolutely made my day to see <laughs> that the GTMC was thanked at the end of the credits. It really made my day. Showed my kids. Thank you. I mean. That's that's amazing. Um, it just really made us. It made me feel really good. But I don't want to forget the gentleman because you mentioned the clamshell that designed this for you. Do you want to give him a shout out? Yeah, Car- Carlos Rossi. Out of um, he's one of the Rendezvous DJs as well. Uh, he's an amazing artist. He does a lot of he does a lot of the Rendezvous cover art and posters and flyers and stuff. And um, and uh, yeah, I, I I reached out to him and he said he would love to do it. And I gave him the dirt. The dirty grungy concept and of course he was familiar with that 
and uh, yeah, man, he went he went to town on the cover art. It came out really good, really good. I'm happy with it. It did come out fantastic. A um, couple things I just want to mention because we are running short on time. I'm glad to see that. Now, was this an intentional thing or just incidental that Bob makes a cameo in this from House by the Cemetery? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Good old Bob. I have Bob in there. I mean, I, believe me, dude, I was thinking, there was, I was going to, you know, how I was throwing in little, little like lines of the movies every now and then. And, yeah. Like, I pulled audio from the film. I was going to do something with his with his voice. I'm like, that would be a complete buzzkill for whatever I had going on at a party. <laughs> That's amazing. People have watched his mix saying that they kind of zoned out to it and like just sat on a couch. They started having it on a party and they just sat on a couch and like lighten up joints and watched it. I'm like, that is like the best compliment ever. But That's I think funny. that when you hear when you hear Bob say, um, Daddy, and then after that, it'll just be like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> record scratch. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no kidding, man. Um, but yeah, Bob makes a cameo. I like I, I said, I, I love that this is a great display for the money shots and the effect uh, you're celebrating with these films. Um, all of them look uh, just tremendous, tremendous on blue. I want to I want to give you a compliment forever on this project. But my the piece that I think really profoundly moved me from the perspective of a great um it really accentuated the awful, the sort of beautifully awful visual with the score is the cannibal stuff, specifically um, uh, cannibal, not cannibal ferox, uh, cannibal, uh, what's it called? Cannibal Holocaust. That stuff, man, I mean, you do a, and all through the cannibal stuff is so wonderfully woven together and beautiful and awful at the same time. That is the strong part. I mean, amongst many strengths, but uh, that's really sort of the, the sequence in this that really you painted it beautifully, masterfully. Well, see, I mean, all credit to the music. I mean, Riz Ortolani. I mean, yeah, Maestro. That uh, that theme is just like, I mean, when I first saw that movie, that theme was like, this has no place of being in this this horrible, despicable. This music's too beautiful. But that mm-hmm. was the, the trick, man. That's what yeah. made it work. And so it, it was obvious that when I was doing, you know, when I was moving into the cannibal stuff, which was part of my set list, you know, and I'm going to do a little bit of the, you know, the cannibal, and I'm going to this, and I thought, and uh, it was like I had it when that's when that um, movie was on the list. I'm like, I know what track I'm using. It's like I didn't know. Going back, I'm sorry, I didn't use the main theme. No, which was which was maybe a, made a right of rank counterintuitive, but it works beautifully. Yeah, I, I was I was speaking out of turn. I was basically talking about the, it's um, adulterous punishment. I think yes, is the track, and that is just like it still has though. Even though that was really gritty and dirty, dan dan dan. It's like you could st- it has still has that um, the original theme, uh, softness and the strings and stuff. So that is still there. <clears throat> that is an even better example of to me of the film because uh, what I like of, of best of the film is it has the beauty on top and has an underlay of complete grime which is in that the dirty the dirty uh, synthesizer stuff Absolutely. so yeah keep it to the theme I mean that that's what made me really uh, uh, just that one was easy just like throwing some cool clips and that but that is one that I did not if I can say anything about not you know giving away stuff is I did not show the murders uh, no. like like because it just Honestly, I held back there. I kind of felt like the movie. If anything, I'm trying to promote to people go see the movie. So that would make you want to go see it because you can just tell 
from what you what I did show that it was bad enough. And so I think there's oh, yeah. some, some there's going to be some surprise when people watch Camel Holocaust from the first time ever, which possibly could be the case if people see this disc, you know. No, it's and very it's much more to see because that movie is just yeah, gut wrenching. You have enough restraint, but there's still power with the imagery and power with the the score. Um, I don't have. And I held back. You did. I held back in places, you know, in certain places. And in other words, where if the if the music was fun and uplifting and kind of like more like crazy, and you're seeing a bit, then show the crazy stuff, like absurd, you know, like like absurd or Bloody Moon. Right, Bloody Moon. It's fun, you know. Like I showed murder as fun, you know, like murder in the disco. Like you could disco dance as you get murdered. I mean, that's what that whole video was. It's fun. (laughs) It is a fun way to end it because, from a trackless perspective, you know, you have like your your peak hour stuff. Your you know stuff you want to open with, and you you way you wove it you've woven it together is is really masterful. You have a, a few points of kind of voiceover audio work. One line I love, it's, it's uh, I think it's from um, Don't Go in the House, when they say, his suffering has ended and ours is about to begin. Really great line. Yeah, and that trailer. Really great yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. And I only did that, um, I only I wanted to do like at least one trailer per set, you know, like yep. maybe what I do. Because that's not a lot of DJs that kind of do a lot of that. I like that, but I think, it t- personally, I feel it takes you out of the mode of the music and the, and the vibe. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, that trailer is one that, like, if I put one trailer in this, this has to be the one because, yeah, that that movie. I saw, I remember seeing that trailer at a drive-in, and was afraid of it, and like, just I'd never want to see this thing. And then I finally, when I got to that age, you know, hey, get this movie. <laughs> but I remember that as like a six, six, seven-year-old going to drive-in, hearing that trailer. Oh being man. Yeah, it's it's you do a good job. Just you just pick the right note for it. Um, we're almost out of time, but the most important thing here is I want you to tell everyone where they can get Video Nasties because there's some familiar names where they can get it, as well as a uh, name that maybe some people aren't as familiar with. It's supporting you on this project, and also where they can find uh, your track listing, like your um, your SoundCloud mix, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, well, thanks. First of all, man, it's not it's not what it's most important. It was thanks for having me. You know, I, I'm a big fan from back in the day and listener and, and becomes friends and can't wait to see you again, man. Let's man, do it again. Yes. And uh, but uh, that's that, that's what's most important to me is you allow me to come on here and talk about you know more than just projects, but just geeking out and, and family stuff and yeah, man. But uh, yeah, so if you want to go pick up this disc, um, I only made a hundred. You know, and I'm sticking to that uh, as far as you know, it's selling a hundred because I, I, uh, basically gave away like probably thirty of them just to labels the, the, they for thanking me. I send these to the, the film company saying, you know, thank you for letting me do this, and this is something and whether you like it or not, put it on your shelf, burn it, hate it, whatever. And uh, and I gave it to uh, and friends, and I you know made some great contacts from these. I uh, gave it to some pretty heavy hitters that you know hopefully will discover and play it at their party or something. But as far as selling them, but probably like 40 of them, I sent 20 to Diabolic DVD mm-hmm. and about 20 to TwoHeadedDog.com. Uh, Diabolic DVD, as you know, is a sponsor and good friends of the show. Jesse over there, he's been a great supporter. Oh, yeah. uh, since my early discs he was selling my electro yorkshire he was selling techno and horror guys he, he was down even then you know in 2004 when i made those anyway um he, he's helped me out with those they're those selling over there and then two-headed dog is a store a record store that i become custom to love those guys over there ben um 
they, you know, if you want to buy soundtracks on vinyl, this is the place that has everything and can get everything uh, that's that's been released in this genre and beyond. And uh, so he's selling it from you over there. So that's twoheaddog.com and then diabolic.com. As far as my stuff, um, you can find me on, on Twitter and Instagram and at Spacetunes, and that's S-P-A-C-E-T-O-O-N as in Nancy Z, Z and Zebra. Uh, that's Instagram and, uh, and um, uh, Twitter. And then uh, the SoundCloud is – I'm going to start doing a lot more on there, but you can, you can hear for free the mix – of what we're talking about now. This is just the audio version of the of this mix. And that's uh, uh, soundcloud.com slash spacetunes. And look for the video nasty. So that you guys could check that out. And um, But if you want to get the disc and you want to see this, then pick that up. We'll put it up on Vimeo someday. But right now I want to at least sell ones that I made uh, get and make sure that, uh, you know, Everybody who wants this uh, the legitimate way will get it, but uh, it'll get out there, but it's not going to get out there until I feel it's, it's time to, <laughs> to share it. No, I agree, and, and rightfully so, man. Rightfully so. Um, as you can hear, kids. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It looks like we got to go. My kids will be myself here, so Sunday's family day, but, you know, um, you, uh, have, you have a great supporter like my wife, and uh, you can do both. Just got to squeeze it in. Well, that's just it, right? And it seems like my kids have just gotten home and there's already, it's bananas. So true sort of Kool-Aid man fashion. Uh, They can bust it in. But thank you so, so much um, for doing what you do, for fighting the good fight. Um, And keep doing what you do, man. And anytime you have anything or you want to talk about a film you've just seen, we have an open door policy for our friends. So please keep that in mind. Um, And when the time comes and you want to do some Euro crime, man, (laughs) I'm going to drop a list on you. Oh, shit. So, that's good. Now you're going to inspire the next one, right? Oh, okay. man. That'd be amazing. You know, uh, cinema therapy features your hero. Can yeah. I say one thing, Will? Cause yeah, I of course. I always do. <clears throat> but again, uh, thanks for bringing up my film, The Red Man. We talked about that a little bit in the beginning here. But that also is available um, at Amazon, the Blu-ray, and Diabolic DVD as well. And that's the only place that Blu-rays are selling. But you can it's streaming everywhere. It's, it's worldwide distribution for streaming. So... You guys can find it on iTunes, um, Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime if you're Prime users, The Red Man. Uh, and also Voodoo and all the Google Play, all that stuff. So this movie is um, it's, uh, it's basically a guy's, a, a, a DJ's dream to make one. And I did it and I was able to do it. And I'm very proud of it. And uh, there's more to come. I'm working on other stuff. But for right now, that's my work that uh, I, I don't mind sharing and having everyone see it because it put a lot of time, money, and uh, love into that. So check out the Red Man. Yes, indeed. Uh, with that, as always, my friend, there's only one thing left to say. All right. <laughs> Adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 